Hello and welcome to The Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get really personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. And I mean really, really personal. So personal that the things that they will open up in here about, they haven't shared anywhere else. Today, I had Dr. Devin Verana on the show. And let me tell you, we went deep. There is nothing stopping this girl. She is, there's nothing superficial about her. She shared a lot of really intimate things about her past, her regrets, and the biggest struggles in her life and the things that she learned from them. I know that you will be inspired uh, from this episode, and I know you're going to learn something from today's conversation. And be prepared to feel deeply with Devin and I. Devin is the definition of quote unquote expect miracles in um, really everything that she does. This is the, one of the foundational things that I teach at Elevate, not just to say you expect miracles and put it on your wall and on your, you know, on a hat and a t shirt and, and all those things, but actually, how do you live the expect the miracle idea? And because, you know, the matrix and this whole zombie life that we have going on with social media and everything else that is part of the matrix and the society that we live in. And sometimes it takes repetition and a really good community to remind you that you are full of potential and that you're not living at your maximum potential. And that, you know, that vision that you have for your life, that seed that's in your heart, whether it's for your business or the kind of life you want to have, that vision is real. It's time to surrender to it. It's time to take some inspired action. Sometimes you need a little push. Sometimes you need a reminder. Sometimes you need a community to help you with that, to remind you of that. And speaking of inspired action, if you haven't already joined the Elevate Club, well, you might want to do that. I teach these success principles and a lot more things inside of Elevate Club. And that is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E dot me. Um, I'm sure the link is in here somewhere. And I hope that you enjoyed today's episode as we dive deep and uh, make sure that you subscribe, share, like, comment, and all of those things. All right. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Today, I have one of my favorite, probably my, my very favorite female chiropractor, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Dr. Devin Verana, a hashtag girl crush. I always put those two things together when I think about Devin, and I think a lot of you would agree with that. Devin is a small town girl with a big heart, definitely big ideas, and definitely big, big mission. Um, she totally lives the whole expect miracle thing. It's not just on her walls and on her shirts and on her hats and stuff. She totally lives it. Um, she's not only a chiropractor, she is an entrepreneur, a speaker, a writer, and a dreamer. Um, she's busy in her practice. Um, she's got uh, five kiddos um, and a chiropractor husband. And she just launched the Big Idea Network, 
um, where you can come and play with her and her dream team. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. So excited to have you on here, Devin. Thank you for giving. And I got to say, girl, like, I mean, I know like the homies that you roll with and, and so the female chiropractic fire is getting hot. And so to make your list at all, I love you right back, sister. Um, Are you kidding? You're top of the list, girl. Oh, wow. Girl crush right back at you. Um, there, it is such a beautiful thing to see the rise of the feminine happening in chiropractic. There's some like very powerful ladies doing big, big things right now. Um, and you're one of them. So, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit on, on a personal level today. So secret lives of chiropractors, we're going to, uh, dig a little bit deeper. And so I want to start with everybody knows you as this fire house of a woman, like firehouse of a chiropractor. They see you on stage. They love you all the things. Right. But I want to go back to when Devin was a little girl, uh, maybe at like four, five, seven. I don't know. What's your earliest childhood memory that you have? What were, how did you grow up? What was that like? What were the dynamics of your childhood that have helped shape you to in who you are today as a chiropractor, as a mom, as an entrepreneur? Will you share some of that? Yeah, um, man, right? Like, um, the reflections. Uh, I, I'm very blessed to have two amazing parents, very, very different, um, that I grabbed some really important traits from in just what they modeled. My mom um, was a domestic violence facilitator and I grew up like going to work and watching her. And I think even, you know, just getting to be by her side, it had it very early instilled, I could have both. I could be a really amazing, caring, nurturing, awesome mom and work and serve. And I watched not just what she did, but how people responded to her. Like she just had this kind of mother Teresa air. And I mean, from, I mean, literally young, young, all through like teenage years, when I started working with her, it just watching her speak and teach and watching her be able to shift a room just by um, you know, in, in her case, it was all about criminal justice. She worked with offenders and, uh, and, and, and she saw the good no matter how bad the crime was. And she was always looking for the good. Mm-hmm. And she set the just most beautiful example for that. Um, and then, you know, my dad put a basketball in my hands when I was really little. And um, if you see fire, it's likely from my Hispanic side of the family. And my dad with I that. didn't realize you had Hispanic in you. Yes, my oh, my grandma. Yeah. Oh, okay. you know, my big fat Greek wedding. It's like that, um, but with tamales and um, you know, probably a little more fire even than that movie. But um, but he, you know, he from as young as I can remember, Devin, you can do anything. No excuses. I mean, to the point of like, you know, push and was always like he coached and, you know, A's were good, but A pluses were better. And like the bar of excellence that he instilled in me really at a young, young age, mm-hmm. um, you know, at times, right. You look back and you're like, Ugh. but it, it, that grit, that fire in my belly definitely, you know, started getting fostered super early in athletics and things like that. Um, from a super small town and graduated with, you know, I started kindergarten with 15 people that I then graduated in a class of about 70. Um, so from that, I mean, yeah, small town America, uh, which, which really I think has created 
both the um the solid foundation, the ground, the roots, but also that hunger to see the world and spread my wings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and are there any, um, what was like, was there a time in your childhood specifically that, um, you either watched, watched the struggle or you had a struggle or was there anything like that in your childhood specifically? You know, I, um, yeah, on and off throughout different seasons with family dynamics. I'm six years older than my sister and 10 years older than my brother. Um, parents went through different things. And so I kind of had this mama bear thing, even with my siblings growing up. Yeah. And um, so there were different things like that. I think, you know, girls go through some tough stuff, not feeling pretty enough, not feeling good enough. I was super athletic. So I got along with the guys really well. And I was probably more, well, not probably there are pictures to prove with my like, um, really awesome bangs and boy cut and, and jean shorts down past my knees. I was a Tom boy obsessed with the Dallas Cowboys and football and, uh, winning. And, um, you know, that was all really good, except not everybody likes that. And I mean, there were some tough times, you know, getting, getting picked on being on both sides of that. I mean, I can definitely say I was the mean girl, which I don't love set, you know, to like fit in as a version of myself that I can look back on and go, ugh. um, and on the receiving side of that, um, feeling very isolated. Um, I struggled with an eating disorder when I was in high school that I don't feel like I would say a few people knew about, but maybe didn't call me out on. Um, and, and so just those inner, not good enough, not pretty enough, not fast enough, you know, like the not enoughs was, was probably the ongoing, you know, thing that, um, you know, when people see hats and feathers now it's because I've, you know, really done the shadow work and gone into like, where'd that come from? And, you know, um, yeah. So yeah, but I, but overall, I mean, I can't complain. I had yeah. a beautiful childhood. I always had more than enough and, um, anything I did go through has made me a better person. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you share that. I think that we, uh, you as the leaders in, in our profession, like we don't have a space to share that we're usually on the stage and it comes with a certain kind of expectation fire up the crowd or whatever the, the expectation might be. So it's not really the space to talk about these things, but this, this is what you went through as a teenager, what I've gone through getting bullied or all the things have made us who we are, have kind of, you go through that process and you learn how to deal. Yeah. With them. And, and I think maturity wise, you know, you go through the phase of like, you know, um, there was a time when I walked with what would appear like more confidence than I have now, but it was all fake. You know, I, there still was not the level of self-love or self-acceptance or forgiveness and things like that. And, um, and I can look at pictures, you know, and, and that's the evolution of growth into chiropractors. You know, it's like, everybody wants to know the systems or the handouts or the techniques and things like that. And I would just challenge everyone out there. You got to look at your heart because your hands are an extension of your heart. You want to grow a practice. You become a magnet for love and connection. And that's being raw and real inside first. And because I'm willing to go there, um, it has only opened and expanded my world and my heart. Hmm. 
And, and so as you moved along your journey and so childhood obviously comes with some of that, I don't know. <laughs> I do know some people that would say they were never bullied or they were never on the other side of it, but I know so many people who have experienced that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really like, yeah, I, my husband's a very charismatic, get along with everybody, but, but because he went through a lot of bullying younger. So I start, I would guess I was going to start to say, Oh, Joey, no. And I, I do remember like in his grade school. So yeah, I really, I don't know many people that do. And you look at today's world and it's more polarized than ever. And so having those awareness conversations with kids of like, be kind um, yeah. yourself and to others and don't tolerate it when, you know, and if somebody is mean to you, it's usually not like that they're mean. It's that they got something else, you know, and like yeah. it's, it's definitely, um, adventures in parenting. It's one thing to go through it. It's something else when you got to watch your babies go through it. Oh, I know. And I think now more than ever, like you said, there's just, there's so, there's so much divide in humanity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's insane. Um, so are there any funny stories about your childhood? Like, are there anything funny that like, they're like, Oh, Devin, like, this is what she did, or this is what she was like, or. Oh man, I feel like, um, over and over again, probably. Um, well, I mean, you know, people know me as a speaker and a story that I guess haunts me. Um, cause my kids now go to the grade school where I went, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was little, I was always playing with a microphone and in the mirror, like pretending I was the newscaster or a movie star, you know, it was like, I always chased that idea of being on a stage. And so when I got into kindergarten, they were, they had the tawny scrawny lion and, um, I was just dying for a part. And my parents are, you know, again, a gift that they gave, they were always so supportive. If you want it, you can do it, you know? And so I couldn't wait to try out. And I got the role as the narrator, which is awesome. Kind of like the MC role that I now play um, at the Big Idea Health Freedom Symposium and stuff, which is funny and ironic. I guess I haven't thought about it that way. But going back up there, I got to go on stage more than anybody else. You know, I got to go up and really tell the story. And I was so pumped. And I picked out new shoes. um, And everything was going really good. I mean, it's one of those anchoring childhood memories that like, you know, my dad had bought me a, a flower and my hair was all curled, you know, 80s style. Um, And then I was like, I don't, I don't pick up my feet when I walk. Now you guys are all going to know that about me too. Like I slide my feet a lot. Like I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I I like to kind of ice skate through life while I was doing that. And my little shoes, I hit the risers really hard. I slipped and um, big knot right in my in my shin bone, and I went up and the tawny scrawny, and they you know got video, and so that was kind of an ongoing joke, um, you know, in the day. But I but I conquered my fears. But my dad to this day, um, like when I'm getting ready to take a stage, will be like, "Hey, pick up your feet, <laughs> don't hit the stage." And so it's like it is something that has stuck with me. As far as other bloopers, oh my god, more than I could count in sports, and yeah. Um, I'm an, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So a lot of bloopers in the real like that, but I love the one that you shared because it's such a, it's like a full circle. You're oh, so we, wherever you go, there you are. Like you can take those memories and you can see them in your todays. Like it's, it's a hundred percent like, uh-huh. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's easy to look, look back and see all the breadcrumbs. And yeah, I mean, my dad, like when I decided to do the big idea, and he was there in the front row and, you know, we got done and he was like, you have been doing this 
since you were a little girl, like with the karaoke machine, he's like, you, you're born to like, to do this. Yeah. It's interesting. I have a picture of myself when I was probably maybe second grade or so. And I am, I'll post it on Instagram maybe today or one day, but uh, it's me. And and so mind you, I lived in Iran until I was 16. I moved to the US when I was 16 years old. So in Iran, you go to an all girls school. That's just what it is. And you also cover your hair and you cover your body and everything. So I'm this little tiny second grader. And there is my friend there who's holding a microphone for me. And I'm speaking, I think I was reading a poem, if I'm not mistaken. And I was reading a poem to the entire school body. But for me, also that transition not not transition really like the journey from that like I was always that person also in school in leadership and all the things to where I am today and then add on top of it the the quote quote freedom right oh. like the everything is relative right so from yeah. that to what I'm where I am now and what I experience and how I experience life versus you know what it was like and what it's like in those countries I can only imagine I mean, it's wild. Yeah. And, and, and yet we're perfectly carved out and it's relative. And that's, what's fascinating about the last two years is that we all went through We're going through the same thing, but none of us have experienced the same thing. Totally. And, you know, people, you know, look at me like, Oh, you're kind of outspoken. And it's like, well, things that I had been through and things I've witnessed and oppressions and, and injustices, like, I wasn't willing to be quiet. It would that, you know, but it, that was how life had primed me prior to 2020. So it's like whatever, you know, um, whatever we had gone through, I think COVID just took it to a different level. It amplified what was already there. Totally. And I always say like, whatever, however you did things is however you ended up dealing with COVID, right? If you were like, you were the one to lead or you were the one to speak about things or whatever, then you became more of that person, which can be a beautiful thing, right? But in the midst of the chaos and the the whole shit show, practically. Perfect description. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So um, tell me, like moving along from childhood um, to now, what has been like the darkest, loneliest time of your of your life? Like the biggest struggle? Um, experience. Yeah. I, I feel like a cat, you know, that whole nine lives thing. Like I definitely think that, um, I actually recently did, um, an interview where they kind of really went into those, those big markers. So it's easier for me to draw on. Cause I just answered this. Like I got pregnant when I was 21. So single mom, not ready, not the life that I had in I mean, I was a very much a like planner. Here's where I'm going. Here's what's happening. And that was like, no, you know, wait a minute. Um, And so single mom through um, finishing college and all of chiropractic school. And that was hard. I mean, there's just no way around that. You're taking a lot of hours, um, early uh, mornings, long days, raising a child by yourself. Um, Not easy. I mean, that that gauntlet, chiropractic school is not easy as it is. And you add that. Um, And yet. Um, I mean, he's, he's a senior, um, this year. And so feeling that full circle of, um, I mean, he's my why, I mean, I, I wouldn't be a chiropractor if I hadn't had him, there was a much different trajectory. So, um, that, that season of food stamps and 
barely making ends meet and tests and boards. That was tough. That was just a tough, and there was a lot of fun mixed in, but it was, it was a tough season. Um, but lowest of lows, um, my uncle best friend, um, died of a, a brain tumor in 2013. And then my mom was diagnosed with bladder. So there's like a, a three year period where he was diagnosed and passed. She was diagnosed and passed. And then I had my second set of twins and a blue cross audit. And it's like a three year, just like anything that could go wrong kind of did go wrong. Yeah. That took me a few years to come back out of um, fully, but it, it was just, it was all dark. Yeah. Uh, couldn't, couldn't find the light. Um, what do you think was like instrumental or like what was the secret sauce to ultimately come out of that? How did, how did you overcome those struggles other than obviously time, but you know, um, I let it break me mm. uh, my whole life, even the single mom side, nothing's going to break me. Nothing's going to break me. And, um, I was I let it break me and I just fell. And, and it, that was the moment when I realized I had spent most of my life trying to control and fix and have it all together. And even when shit went wrong, I found a way, but this, I couldn't fix. They were gone. I was caregiver in both of those situations. So the things I saw, I'll never forget the watching them take their last breath. My birth was, um, you know, I was running a really high volume practice at the time by myself. And, um, I had magnolia vaginally, um, and then I had to have an emergency C-section with Phoenix. So I had birth both ways and, um, all the failure of C-section and the drugs of having to be put under cause I didn't have an epidural. And, um, and then I was back in practice five and a half weeks later and it was way too soon. I wish that somebody would have grabbed me and been like, I mean, literally I would say there's like a period where I was blacked out, you know, yeah. and I finally, I hit the guardrail. I think, I think for most of my life, I was able to keep it on the track. And that was a time when it just spun out. And I finally hit a, I can't do this. I can't fake it anymore. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears and then came the mentors and date with destiny, uh, Tony Robbins event, and just a series of internal, um, Adventures holotropic breathwork with Dr. Stu Bittman, the artful convention with Brett Jones. It was like the second that I said, I cannot do this like anymore. I'm not the same person. I, you know, uh, I will say, like, you know, with the emergency C section, Magnolia's birth was euphoric. You know, my mom had passed in January. Here come the babies in July, and I birthed her and they put her on. It was just beautiful. Like it was that moment of watching my mother leave and greeting my daughter, just this euphoria, really. And then a crash. I was just done. And um, Phoenix went into distress. They tried to turn him. And finally, the hospital, you know, protocol was like, we got to take him. And so they, when they do that, they put you on like a cross, like type table and, and strap your arms down. So here I'm like, Handing my baby to my husband, getting wheeled off to the OR, thinking about my mom, my uncle, about how tired I am, about the Blue Cross, just all of it. And I was just like, is this where I die? I remember looking up that at the light in the OR going, what is happening? You know, and um, the first picture of my son, actually, like, I, I don't remember holding him for the first time. Um, part of why his, well, the reason his name is Phoenix is because there was a rebirth there. 
um, that I believe I died in some ways on that table. Um, but while I was holding him and in a blackout, my dad was beside himself crying. Oh my God, we were so scared. I'm glad you're okay. And I just, I guess, looked at him and said, it's okay, dad. Mom was there. She held me the whole time. Wow. And, um, I remember saying that. Uh, I, I, I don't, but my husband, my dad, everybody heard it and they tell me that story and it's, you know, I think we get taken into these low, low, low points. And if we, if we let ourselves let go, that's when you meet God, like watching her take her last breath, like holding my uncle's hand when he took his last breath. Um, the lowest of the lows are, they've allowed me to see light in the spectrum. It's why the light bulb looks the way that it does. You, you don't just get the pretty colors of life, you know, to really live, you got to be open to experience them all. And, um, it was, it was my broken heart that facilitated that, you know? Yeah. And, um, that reminds me of the, there was, I was listening to, I, I wish I remembered who it was so I could quote them or give them credit, but they were defining, um, bliss mm -hmm. as experiencing the depth of emotions Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not just love and joy and happiness. It's also sadness, grief, shame, like any of those things to be able to go really deep so that you have contrast for, for the other ones. Because I know some of us, we go through life and we're just kind of like, you know, especially at the beginning of our journey into uh, all the all the life that we get to live, it's just kind of like, oh, I'm I'm okay, it's, and just kind of shoving all of those emotions under the rug just so that you can kind of keep going, but you don't feel and you don't go deep, then it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, look at our culture; it's all about numbing, really. You know, hurts. Uh -huh. Take an ibuprofen. It's like instead of, and that's the challenge that you know we try to hold our practice members to. It's like. Mm. Pain's a good teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Pay attention inside now. Like if, if there's a warning going off inside your body, instead of taking something to make it go away, maybe we should look deeper into why it's there in the first time, first place. And, you know, my husband said to me the other day, he was joking. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to the office. I'm going to slay some subluxations. And he's like, are you ready to go, you know, subluxation slayer or something? And I was like, and it just, of course, I can't ever just take something like that. I'm like, can we talk about that? I was like, I just think subluxations get a bad rap. They're, they're intelligent. You know, they, they create this dis-ease so that we stop. Mm -hmm. And I think pain and heartache, it's not fun. And I, I mean, I'd give anything to have my mom back. And if she was here, if I had not gone through that, the big idea would have never been. Mm. And, and when I look at what it's done and facilitated how could you change that? It's the butterfly effect, right? And so even like subluxation, I mean, we view that very differently in the lighthouse, in the way that we look at pain and, and misalignments. It's like, that's an intelligence. Your body is creating a, a mechanism for you to, um, to grab your attention. And if you don't pay attention, it's just going to get louder. And it won't be sciatica. It'll be cancer. Like we got, if we fix it now, if we correct what's happening inside your system, you know, changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that twist on um, subluxation. So Devin, the, all these 
lives, these cat lives that you have lived and all this wisdom that you have gained from them over the years. And I know that people usually the first thought is I don't have any regrets, right? But if you thought back to your life and knowing what you know now, how would you do things differently? Are there things that you would do differently? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just referenced, you know, the, the butterfly effect, if you change one thing, it changes everything. So there is this acceptance, but, um, and, and I have your permission, permission to, to cuss. Right. Um, I I've been an asshole, um, you know, and the, the thing about fire, um, people is that sometimes it burns out of control and it, it burns the people closest to you. And so, um, you know, in different, times where like, there's just a lot of rage at life, at circumstances. And, um, and that, I mean, I just have a really hot temper and I can say it's Hispanic or I can say it's like, you know, the way I'm wired or the single mom, like warrior to defend, like I have to intentionally call myself out. And, you know, in, in all honesty, like I have both sides of the family, different, um, addiction issues and things. And so like drinking for me is not, it's not good. And, um, it's, it's, I don't know that it is for anybody, but I had a really not good relationship with it, you know, in my twenties and, um, I could have, you know, there were some nights I could go shot for shot with the guys and have the best night ever. And there were other nights where I would have one beer and blackout. Mm-hmm. And I think I know, I see that pattern now that I like work with, you know, people going through depression and addiction issues and, um, yeah, I, I my regrets would be the people that I hurt. My my regrets would be, um, you know, the times in my life where I was a tornado, which did serve me, but the debris hit people that um, that I care very much about, or or the mean girl moments in, you know, middle school and high school when I was a jerk, but it wasn't. It was because I was in pain on the inside, not to justify it, but it's like, I know that I hurt people and I, man, that's just not, that would be the thing. If I could like wave my magic fairy wand is to take away um, any pain that I inflicted on others. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. It's beautiful. If you're listening, I'm sorry, genuinely, like no fluff. I mean, genuinely, that's just, yeah, that's the, the hardest part of shadow work is to look back and reconcile like you know, is, is, are there people that, that you can identify that that's been. Oh yeah. I mean, we're for like small town, right? So there was, you know, gossip there's, I mean, if you go into middle school, high school, and then there were really close people to me in chiropractic when, when my mom died, when my uncle died, when, I mean, I was in a really close knit group of people that a hundred percent, um, influenced my life for the better in lots of different ways. But, but when you go through a Phoenix type moment and you, you come back from it and then you look like the same version of yourself, but you're not the same version of yourself and they expect you to be the same, but you're not the same. And it's like, I can't be that anymore. And so I I had had, I had a certain type of practice. I had a certain type of life. I was a certain person, but when mom died, kids shift audit, all of it, it was like, caterpillar to butterfly type moment, but then I didn't fit in their circle anymore. And, um, it was hard. I mean, it was just hard. And, um, and, and so, you know, to, to those people that, you know, that's 
Suki, um, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him. I feel like you would love Dr. Suki up in Canada. Um, but I spoke in Europe with him and he said, I was going through that transition at that time, actually. And, um, he, you know, he was like, people come in for reason, season, lifetime. And you, you know, sometimes you think someone's going to hang out for a while and they're really just there as a messenger to give you a lesson. And it's just a quick reason. And they're gone. Other times you have these close knits of soul family, like, you know, uh, different chiropractic circles that we go through and you think they're going to be there forever too, but it's really just a season of your becoming. And if you stay there, you never meet your destiny. You never really like step into who you're meant to be. And so sometimes growth is letting go of people and relationships. And that's tough. And very, very few do you get the lifetime, the ones that like you get to do the journey of life with. And those ones you better treasure because they, you know, they're, they're sacred relationships. And that set me free because I, you know, I think we tend to cling to those things and then it gets destructive. And when I was trying to be something I wasn't, then I would, I would hurt other people in those relationships versus just saying, it's time for me to go now. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the, those are the hindsights that I wish I would have maybe learned earlier than I did. And and I feel like that would also serve them. I just personally just went through a divorce process. And so as painful as that can be, but it's also like absolutely transformative. Like I look like the same person. I do all the same things, but I'm a completely different person than I was even six months ago, even three months ago. I mean, it's, it's exponential, the amount of growth you have from something that yeah. and, painful, right? And in order to rise, you, you have to untangle from the things that keep you in a box that doesn't fit you anymore. Yeah. You have to, it's literally life or death. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could have, I, you know, it's like in your, in your situation, it, it's like, there's only one way forward. And, you know, BJ Palmer would write about it. You know, you're either going up the ladder or down the ladder. You, there is no stagnant. Stagnant is down. And so for you, when you go through this, there's no going back to that. No, yeah. Like, I couldn't be that Devin that I was in 2015 before my mom was diagnosed. She's gone. Yeah. You know? And and so I think we're all the nine lives cats, at least the people who are committed to a life of growth. That's not for everybody. Some people... I mean, they are just as steady. And I think it's a beautiful, I admire it because I'm, I look at their consistency and I'm like, wow, I'm a variety junkie. I've gone through like 20 different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, dark nights of the soul. And, um, and I just think it's who I'm here to be, you know, yeah, and to help more people with that. Mm-hmm. Your evolution as a healer, as a person, as an, as an individual. And I, I will add, this is as you if anybody is going through anything similar, it's like, as you do, as it, it appears you're dropping people or it appears you're shifting your circle of influence. It appears like you're no longer friends or connected with, or you don't vibe with, or they're not in your circle. But I also think that when that happens in this process, somehow it ends up being the best thing for them as well. Like, it's not just, I'm making this move and, and, removing myself from the connections that I've had because they're no longer aligned or at the same frequency, but it's also better that I'm not there with them so that they have, they can go through their own uh, revolution. I've personally seen that happen and play out. So, and even you go to death, right. As, as dramatic as death, like I am, 
my mom is still here. You know, I think that's, I think we get very um, either or and um, like all of those people in the different chiropractic circles or friend circles I've had throughout my life, they're all little pieces of my heart. And so I think that we, um, we cling too much to things and to people um, that keep us kind of stuck in these unhealthy patterns sometimes. And, and if you just accept that, like, with like absurd gratitude, you know, and you just stack, it's like, I just feel like I've got this little treasure chest where I get to keep all the voices and the mentors and the lessons, and I can call on them anytime I, I, I need them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And so let's uh, pivot into, since we're talking about mentors, who, who do you think has been the, I know there are so many in your life, but like, tell me one person, give me one person, the big, biggest influence. It could be a chiropractor, it could be a family member, it could be whoever. I've talked about my mom. So I feel like I'll leave that one. Um, probably man, um, Richard Yenny, Steve Hayes, Tim Young, without a doubt, are my three um, biggest chiropractic influences. Um, if I if I give it to one, oof, that's tough. But um, but I'll say Steve Hayes um, and and Pinnacle um, in part because he saved me from myself with things that like um, where where Yinny and Steve really like fueled fire that was compatible. Steve mm-hmm. offered a contrast to. Um, the things I was so smart that I knew that I knew and has given me such a gift to, um, of efficiency and being, you know, lean instead of excess. Clearly I like things, you know, it's like, it's like bigger, better, brighter. And, um, I a hundred percent, owe, you know, uh, the first, you know, years of practice and setting a really good foundation and being able to be a mother of five young kids and run a big, busy practice to the gifts that I learned in Pinnacle at Steve's leadership. Okay. I love that. Awesome. Thank you. And um, last question as we wrap up here, what what is exciting for you? What's happening in your life that's super exciting? And also, where can people connect with you? I know you're offering some really incredible things. So, so I mean, we've covered... That. Yeah, to really tie it all together, um, you know, when my when my mom and uncle passed, and there's just this and, and babies. So I had two young pediatric patients um, pass away as well, and, and their funerals really rocked me. Wow, uh, that's where the big idea was birthed because it's like this insatiable. God, if they just knew, if I if I just could put out some of those breadcrumbs, if if my mom, you know, could have come to Tony Robbins with me, maybe she'd be here. And there's just this like, I just got to tell them. Right. I remember Brett Jones telling me that Arno had asked, um, uh, Brunier had asked, you know, if you choose the adjustment or the philosophy, which one do you choose? Mm. What an impossible decision. Right. But if you have to choose. And for me, the big idea sets me free mm-hmm. in everything, it sets me free in my health, in my finances, when you get that you are powerful beyond all measure and the creator of your destiny. So I've become obsessed. Mm-hmm. Big idea. Mm-hmm. And um, our team is expanding right now, um, you know, to a, a bigger, my sister's got five kids, I've got five kids. So we're going to bring on a, a third doctor, our team's growing more staff um, on a mission to serve with our hands in the lighthouse and with our hearts and our voices in the big idea where 
you look at what the world's been through and if if the world got the big idea then all else would follow and we just want to come up with as many little ways to put empowerment and courage and trust and forgiveness in the palm of people's hands and so different videos and 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 mentorship that help people remember that that they got everything they need and that moms you know if they just trust their intuition, they, no one knows their baby, like they know their baby. And, um, all of that to me is rooted in the big idea and that's growing in a really big way right now. So I'm giddy excited. That is so cool. And so we're, we're going to put the link here in the show notes. So connect with um, Devin or go sign up, right? They can go register at the link. Yep. And our event will be in June, uh, 2023. And, um, guys got to come to Wichita. I mean, everybody's like Wichita, Kansas. I'm telling you, uh, everybody that comes, once you, once you join us, you're part of the family. Um, so, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to see what this year brings. It's going to be bigger and brighter than ever. I can't wait. I will put it on my calendar and I have been wanting to go. So 2023 will be the year. And, um, I will say as cool as Devin is, she's also pretty accessible. I would say probably connect with her on Instagram, on social media, wherever she is, and uh, make it to her event. Go join the Big Idea Network, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, anything else you want to share, Devin, before we wrap up? Oh, man, guys, like if you're, if you've been in this conversation and you're still here, thank you. Um, I don't take that lightly that people would use the time that they're given to listen to us talk, right? Um, I hope that something lit you up and never, never, never stop expecting miracles mm-hmm. because I, I really do believe the best is yet to be. And everything we've gone through over the last few years is about to open humanity's most beautiful chapter and we get to be here for it. So love that. So much love. Mm. Thank you, Devin. And thank you everyone for watching. This was definitely a powerful conversation. We hope that you learned something. We hope that you are able to implement something in your life and move it forward. And whatever that means, whether it's healing or success or whatever that means to you. And um, yeah, we'll, Come back and listen in or watch another episode. Thank you again, Devin, and we'll see you and talk to you all later. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.